Okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Right. Well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust Good. you. Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall okay. back. Ooh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> great. Uh, okay. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, okay. all right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm gonna do it. All right. I'm really gonna do it. <laughs> Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really got me! I didn't think you were gonna get me, but you did! Oh, that, that was, was great. great! That was great! You're ready for level two! Level two, here yes. I come, baby! Woo! Whoa. Whoa. Okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes. The okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you notice this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. morning. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Luke 5, 17 to 25. And it's from the message version. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and religious teachers were sitting around. They had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far away as Jerusalem, to be there. The healing power of God was on him. Some men arrived, carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get into the house to set him down before Jesus. And when they couldn't find a way because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof, removed some tiles, and let down in the middle of everyone, right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, Friend, I forgive you. I forgive your sins. That set the religious scholars and Pharisees buzzing. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemous talk. God, and only God, can forgive sins. Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking and said, Why all this gossipy whispering? Which is simpler, to say, I forgive your sins, or to say, get up and start walking? Well, just 
So it is clear that I am the son of man and authorized to do either or both. He now spoke directly to the paraplegic. Get up, take your bedroll, and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he did it. He got up, he took his blanket, and left for home, giving glory to God all the way. The people rubbed their eyes, incredulous, and they also gave glory to God. Awestruck, they said, we have never seen anything like that. Can you hear me? Yep. I'll say it again. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? It's good to be here with you. Um, I, I've been to Watford, I've been to Stanborough before, only to do poetry, and it was many years ago, but I've never come to have a preaching appointment before. So I am very, very glad to be here with you. And I was a little bit nervous when I first came, but when I came, I saw familiar faces. Faces that I've spoken to, faces of friends, even family have arrived. So I know that wherever we go, where God's people are, we're amongst family. So I feel like I'm at home amongst family, even though I'm not home amongst family, if you get what I mean. So I'm very, very glad to be here. Um, The Lord has something to say to us this morning. Every single one of us, from the smallest to the most senior, the Lord has an appointment with you this morning. He wants to reveal something to you this morning. In fact, it's a secret that the Lord is going to reveal to you this morning. So, I hope you're ready to hear. I hope your eyes and your ears are open. And I hope you're ready. So buckle up. In this time that we share together, I pray that your ears are open. And I ask that you open the eyes of your heart and may your consciences be awoken. And disregard the message if you feel the truth won't be spoken, but judge truth by its fruits and whether it brings hope to the broken. You see, a message is owed for those who promote writing with broke pens and instead of declaring what God says, they excite religious commotion and teach for God's words falsehoods which confuse and provoke men to not trust the Bible or scriptures or those who are chosen. You see, instead they kill and jeer, void of care and emotion. They delight in man's whose actions that fully declare his heart is frozen. And this is partly because there were wolves walking around in sheep clothing. Today let's praise the Lord, but tonight bring the girls and the coking. Oh, let's just live for the moment, but preach on the eternal. Let's talk about love and life while we bless the weapons that murder you. And ignore the real issues concerning you and provide more blocks on hurdles due to the fact they teach traditions over the pure scriptural Bible truths. You see, the truth is, God has a controversy with the world. It's in a state of moral poverty and very much in love with itself. It ignores the cry for help from the oppressed. Some who confess to be godly still hate and then pray and ask to be blessed. And you see, God looks down on the mess and he feels sick. There are six things the Lord detests. Two of them are pretense, 
and lying lips. So while we gyrate our hips to the beat of deceiving spirits, there's a serious heat coming for the planet and he will not forget to bring it. Sing it, people of God, declare the warning. Because the angel has fallen and he is no longer the son of the morning. If you want to fulfill your life, fulfill your calling. Wake up and stop the yawning. Wake up now and prepare for the storm. Because in a fast way, world events declare we live in the last days. But some of you are confused like when you're walking through a dark maze. Waiting to be devoured and you're dangling like some shark bait. And you're not warning the people of Revelation 7 last plagues. You see, if you don't raise the alarm, you wrong the people. How long do you reckon God will tolerate an earth that's hot with evil? A world whose moral dress is weak and feeble. You can't hide because it's see-through. A world that seeks to always do the illegal. Listen, standing still or running, God is coming to meet you. Some to deliver the lethal, others to reach for and keep you. Now, if you love down here more than God, that will seal your fate. I mean, why would you choose to die with this earth when he's opened up a way of escape? He's coming soon and you can choose him today. It's not too late. His presence will fill this room and everyone in here can know his name. But still saying that some will still hate. Some heads will still shake and say, oh, believing the Bible is a big mistake. Why would you hate him when all he says is love one another? I mean, do you hate your mother when she tells you not to fight but love your brother? Do you hate your wife because she called you her lover? Then why would you hate the author of life and the source of how true love is discovered? And as for the scriptures, and I will say this loud, the Bible has never been wrong in the past, so it's not going to start being wrong now. Read it yourself and see all the prophecies and allow God to show you the things to come and all you will say is how and wow. So if you haven't received them yet, open up your heart and receive them now. If you know him already, keep your head straight, hands on the plow. Your feet will stammer, but still hold on to the gospel banner, be proud. Because when that trumpet sounds, we will stand. When the trumpet sounds, we will stand. Heavenly Father, we'd just like to thank you for your blessed Sabbath day. We'd like to thank you for being our God and allowing us to be your children. Lord, we are here to hear your secret, to discover, to discover something new from you. Our eyes and our hearts are open, our minds are open to receive. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the scripture, the scripture is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 17. I'm not going to reread it. I know we just read it, but I'm just going to reread it one more time. The Bible says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a man, men brought a, be a man on a bed who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay him before him. And when they could not find a way in, to bring before him because of the crowd, they went up onto the housetop and let him down in his bed through the tilling in the midst of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. 
And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Amen. There's something about this story which I love. When I was younger, I, I lived with my grandma. And uh, my grandma is an Adventist, a seven-day Adventist. And there's one thing you know, if you're a young person who lives with their grandma and has a seven-day Adventist grandma, come Friday evenings when the sun sets, it's lockdown period for you. There's no TV, there's no nothing unless you're watching Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments or unless you're watching the Jesus of Nazareth or the Prince of Egypt or a film of that caliber, there is no TV happening. My grandma was a staunch Adventist and come Friday evenings it is, it is over. There was only one time my grand broke the rule and it was when um, Bill Clinton was being, was being decided whether he was going to be president or not. And my grand just could not resist. And she said, just this one time. <laughs> and she turned on the TV to see the 10 o'clock news to see if Bill Clinton was going, was going to be the president. And that was the only time my grand turned on the TV. The only time I remember my grand turning on the TV on a Friday evening. Well, you know, on a Friday evening, it's Sabbath. One of the things that she used to do to compensate, other than the films and uh, Ten Commandments, she used to tell me this story. This is one of my favorite stories. And she used to just tell it with such imagination that how, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus was telling stories one day in, some, in Peter's house. And he was telling, so, the stories were so good, they were so imag imaginative that, you know, people crowded around from every area. Everywhere there was, people came in just to hear Jesus tell his stories. And it was so good this day that, you know, the crowd, it was just packed in Peter's house. Packed. And, you know, some men came carrying their friend. A man who did not have the ability to get to Jesus by himself, their friends were carrying him in or trying to get him in before Jesus. Have you ever felt like, you, you know, you just haven't got the ability to get to Jesus by yourself? And you wish that you had some friends who would just, you know, be your arms and be your legs and just carry you before Jesus. You ever felt like, you know, oh, I, just, I just haven't got the ability to get to Jesus. I mean, he sounds like a good fella. He sounds like someone I would want to be friends with. He even, sound, he even sounds like I would want to hear one of his stories. But, you know, I just haven't got the ability to get there. I wish I had a friend who could carry me. Have you ever had the opportunity to be a friend to carry someone to Jesus? So anyway, so yeah, Jesus is telling stories and some friends come carrying a man who was paralyzed. 
And he said that, and she said, you know, they couldn't get in because the crowd was just so big. They couldn't get in, so they climbed up, upon, up on the rooftop and they started digging up Peter's house. And I said, Grand, they, they dug up Peter's house. How did Peter feel about them digging up his house? She's like, you know, he just had to do it. These people were serious about getting their friend to Jesus. And they dug up his house and they laid him in front of Jesus, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, man, that was so impressive. I'm so impressed with your friends. Your sins are forgiven you. And I said, he just forgave his sins just like that, Grant. She says, yeah, he just forgave their sins. And then she said, that's not all though, son. When he was there, Jesus said, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do your favor. Take, take up your mat and walk. And did the man walk, Grand? Yes, the man walked and everybody started praising God and it was a miracle, son. And I was like, Grand, that is a brilliant story. I love that story. See, the problem is, though, the problem is, for a lot of people, for a lot of young people, for a lot of youthful people, for a lot of senior people, all this is, is just a story. You know, I would talk with young people sometimes and I would say, do you know the story of the man? You know, Jesus, has, Jesus can have power in your life, you know. Don't you know about the story of the man who he healed, he was paralyzed? And they turn to me and they say, well, you, you believe that? You believe that story? Well, you actually believe that story? It's just a story. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My grand told me the story. It must be true. I go, nah. How old are you when your grand told you the story? She told you that story just to put you to bed. It's a story. In fact, you know, it's, it's just all talk. The story is just all talk. In fact, you coming to tell me about that story, you're just all talk. In fact, this whole thing, this whole Christianity thing that you try to bring to me all the time, it's just all talk. Unfortunately, for a lot of people who actually come to church, who actually attend church every Sabbath, for a lot of us who come to church, the story still is just all talk. It's just a story for a lot of us. Because you see, we come in and we desperately want a place where we can bring our friends, to bring our paralyzed friends, and when we come in, there is no power happening in here. There's, there's nothing changing. When you come in here, you come in one way and then you leave the same way. When the Bible says that when you come in, you're supposed to leave changed. And when they come in, nothing's changing, nothing's working. And for, for a lot of us, you come in, like people outside, it's just a story. There's no power. You know, you know we want to have a place where we can bring our paralyzed friends, but you know, the church is like that paralyzed man. Nothing works except our mouths. Just all talk. You know, I work at a school. I'm a drama teacher at school. And I know the effects of being just all talk. I work at a school. And I teach every single year, from year sevens to, to six formers. And I know, if I tell them, if you do this, I'm going to do this. And when they do this, and I don't do this, 
when they come in for the next lesson and I say, why did you, I'm going to do this, they look at me, just all talk. And when their friends say, you shouldn't be doing that, so you're going to get into trouble, they say, no, don't worry about it, sir. Sir's just all talk. He ain't got no authority. He ain't got no power. Nothing's going to change. I will come in here the same way and I will leave the same way. Nothing will change. And that's a sad thing because if Christianity, if seven-day Adventism promotes anything, we promote that you come to church and you, you leave differently from when you come in. Our parents are always trying to tell our young people, you come to church and Jesus will make a difference in your life. You've heard that before, haven't you? That, you know, if you know Jesus, if you're Jesus' friend, it will make a difference in your life. And if, when it doesn't happen, you turn around and a lot of young people turn around and say, you know, <laughs> all this stuff that you've been teaching me all my life is all talk. And that's a sad thing. Very sad. But... But there is hope. Amen. Now, in this story, there are many lessons that we can learn from this passage. We're going to concentrate on about four of them. Okay? First lesson that we must learn. When there are people who are trying to get to church, but a lot of the time we, we fail to realize why we're trying to get people to come to church. And we say, you know what, you should come to church. Our church is lively, it's vibrant, and you know you should come. You should come to church. And we forget the reason why we're telling people to come to the church. The only reason why we're telling people to come to the church is because Jesus is here. And there is power to heal the sick. You know, a lot of the times people can't get into church because of the crowd. And, you know, the crowd can represent many things. You know, the crowd can represent people's attitudes. No, he can't come into church with his skirt, with her skirt that short. No way. They're coming into church and that crowd stops them from coming in. No, no, you're not coming into this church because the crowd says you need to take off them earrings first, young man. <laughs> the crowd says you can't come into church because, you know, you, you need to get some smints or some breath mints because, you know, I can smell that weed on your breath and I can smell that alcohol on your breath. So, yeah, the crowd says you need to get rid of that first before you come in to this church. Ah, uh, no, the crowd says you can't come into this church unless you change that profession. You need to stop working at the bar. You need to stop working at the club. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop. The crowd says, uh-uh, you can't come in, which is... Unfortunate. But, you see, when the crowd, when you can't come in to meet Jesus because of the crowd, you must find a different way in. You climb up on top of the roof of the church, you start digging up the, the rooftop of your church, and you find an alternative route to get in to meet Jesus. That's what you must do. And if you're serious about getting your sick friends, if you're serious about getting your friends to meet Jesus, you find a different way in to get to meet Jesus. And don't worry if you're going to disrupt the service every now and again. Because I'm sure in Peter's house, when he was listening to the story, and then he started, what is that? What's going on? What are you doing? That's my house. You're disrupting the service. You're disrupting the story. And do you think they cared? It's just like, you better mine out the way. Because I'm about to drop this. You better, if you don't want it to fall on your head, mine out the way. Because this person 
I am getting this person in front of Jesus. Whether you like it or not. Coming to church is not about coming to church in and of itself. It's about getting before Jesus. Don't forget to tell your friends that when you invite them to church. It's about Jesus. It's not about how good the song service is or how good a storyteller the preacher is. It's about being laid before Jesus. He's the one that makes a difference. Second thing. Okay, so they, they're in. They've dug up the roof. And now they're in and they're laying before Jesus. And oh, hallelujah, this is what Jesus says. Now, you would think that if you're such a terrible, terrible, bad person, you know, a weed smoker, stripper, whatever you is that you are, or whatever the reason you're in a paralyzed state, when you get before Jesus, Jesus will say, you know, how, how did you become paralyzed? Or, do you know, it's not a really good thing to be paralyzed, as if the man didn't know that it was not a good thing to be paralyzed. <laughs> Jesus says... The first thing he says to him is, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus doesn't know the man from anywhere. It's the first time they've met. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, Friend. If anybody tells you any different, tell them straight. Um, Elder Wong says you're lying. When you come to church... Jesus, regardless of what paralyzed state you're in, Jesus is your friend. Jesus is not your enemy. And it's important that we let people know that because they have this misconceived idea that when they come into church, the first thing the preacher's going to do is zap them with a Bible text and tell them how paralyzed they are. And they led to believe that, you know, Christianity is their enemy or Jesus or God is their enemy because of their lifestyle or because of their paralyzed state. Jesus is your enemy. But no, the Bible says the first thing Jesus says to you when you come in in your paralyzed state is friend. You know, the fact that you've made it to the church, the fact that you've made it before Jesus is evidence that you want to not be paralyzed anymore. And because of that fact, Jesus, you are Jesus' friend regardless. Matter of fact, the other, um, in Mark's version, he says, you know, be of good cheer, which could be translated, you know what, I don't care that you're paralyzed. Which could be translated, I don't care what it is that you've done. Which could be translated, I don't care how wrong you are, I'm your friend. So the second lesson, first lesson, you know, you can't get in because of the crowd, find a different way in to get before Jesus. Second lesson, you're not Jesus' enemy. You are Jesus' friend. And let your people know when you invite them before Jesus, let them know that, you know, Jesus is your friend. He's not your enemy. He's your friend. Now, we have come to the secret. Are you ready? You ready for the secret? When the paralyzed man is laid before Jesus, paralyzed, Jesus says, friends, your sins are forgiven. And then, you know, the Pharisees and some other people start saying, oh, who is this guy? Who is this guy forgiving sins? Who does he think he is? Does he think he's God? He's blaspheming. Who does he think he is? You know, sometimes people are not going to understand what Jesus is doing in your life. 
and they, they will think it's something other than what Jesus is actually doing. They will not understand how Jesus is working in your life and the patience Jesus has in your life. They will not understand. Just beware of the fact there are going to be some people like that in church. It's, just, it's, it's a given. Don't let that be a deterrent for you coming to church. Just know that there are some people like that in church. Just, you know, especially young people. I know young people always say, you know, there's too much hypocrites in the church, man. Too much hypocrites in the church, man. I don't like this person because, you know, you know they don't understand that being Jesus' relationship. Just understand that there are some people like that in church. They were in Jesus' day. They are in our time. Get over it. The most important thing is get in front of Jesus. But that's not the secret. That's just a side note. This is the secret. Jesus is in front. Of, the paralyzed man is in front of Jesus. And if the paralyzed man was anything like me, when Jesus says, to show you that I have the power to forgive sins, I command you, paralyzed man, take up your mat and walk. And if he was anything like me, I would have looked at Jesus and been like, Jesus, are you trying to take the mick? <laughs> uh, no, 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 Jesus. I actually heard what you said, but um, there's a slight problem here. <laughs> um, the problem is I, I cannot take up my mat and walk because uh, I'm paralyzed. Maybe didn't notice that fact, you know, coming through the roof and all. But I cannot just take up my mat and walk, Jesus. I am paralyzed. What, Jesus, in fact, what are you actually trying to do? You're trying to embarrass me in front of all these people, telling me to do something, asking me to do something that which you can see I have not got the power to do. For a lot of us, we come to church and Jesus says, you know, I want you to love this person as you love yourself. And we turn around to Jesus and say, Lord, how can you tell me to love this person as I love myself when, you know, you know that I don't even love myself that much? Jesus, how can you tell me to be nice to this person when you know I haven't got a nice bone in my body? Jesus, how can you tell me to go out and preach to the community when I don't even believe in preaching to the community? Why are you asking me to do things that you know I haven't got the power to do? Why don't you fix me first and then I'll go and do it? If I was a paralyzed man, that's probably something I would have said, Lord, before I can take up my mat and walk, I, I need fixing. So why don't you fix my legs and fix my situation and fix my paralyzed state and then I will take up my mat and I will gladly run home. I will. If you fix me first. Fix me first. And a lot of the time, this is what we're asking Jesus to do. Fix me first. You want me to love this person? You want me to love my wife the way I should? Then give me the love first and then I'll do it. You want me to be a good person? Well, give me the goodness and then I'll do it. Fix me first. Fix my situation first. Then I'll do whatever you want me to do, but fix me first. I thank the Lord that Jesus isn't like me or any one of us who think like that. Or the paralyzed man wasn't like us. He didn't say, fix me first. Jesus said, take up your mat and go home. And then this is the secret. He thought, Jesus said, take up my mat. Now I know that he knows that I'm paralyzed, but he's telling me to take up my mat anyway. Okay, so how do we do this? Okay. All right, brain. Move my toes. And this time, because Jesus has said it, 
oh my, something starts moving down there. Okay? I don't know what this sensation is, but something feels much different than what it did before. Okay, brain. Brain, move your ankles. Oh my words. My ankles are moving. All right, brain, move your, you know, your knees. And then before you know it, where there was no power before, there is power now. Where there was no power in the feet before, there is power in the feet now. Where there was no power in the legs before, there's power in the legs now. And then all of a sudden, everything is moving because, you know what? Because he's just doing what Christ said to do. He realized that, you know, if Christ says to do something, even though you haven't got the ability to do it, you can do it. This is the secret. If Christ says to do it, regardless of what paralyzed state you're in, just move to do it. This is the secret of faith. Christ will not always ask you to do something when he knows you've got the ability to do it. A lot of the times, in fact, most of the times when you read the stories of the Bible, he's asking people to do stuff what they haven't got the ability to do. The secret is just move. Just move. I haven't got the love to love my wife. Just love because Christ said to love. And then where there was no, where there was no love, all of a sudden there will be love. Where there, were no, where there was no power, all of a sudden there is power. Where there was no faith, all of a sudden there is faith. Where there was no desire to go out to the community, all of a sudden as you move, the desire just miraculously comes. This is the miracle. A lot of us want to see miracles, but we don't want miracles. We want, we, want a log- we want to have a logical explanation for the miracle. Then if you have a logical explanation for the miracle, it's not a miracle. So this is the secret. Just move. Whatever it is, whatever paralyzed state you might find in, now I don't know what it is, you know what it is. Christ knows what it is. And he doesn't care that you're in a paralyzed state. He knows what it is. And when you go home and you pray in your, in your silent time to Christ, he knows what it is. But he's saying, take up your mat. I know that you're in a state, but take up your mat. Because you see, when you just move to do it, where you had no power, power will come. So the secret is, if Jesus says it, just do it. That's it. You want to see miracles in your life? You want to experience Jesus' power in your life? If you want to access this power that Jesus is that has available through Christ, just move. And the power will come. The power will come. I work at a school. And Jesus asked me to go and do some poetry when I didn't really want to do poetry. I was like, oh, Pastor asked me to do poetry at this school, but I really don't want to go. But because you said to do it, Jesus, I'm going to go. So I went. And I, I stood up. I, wasn't sh- I didn't shave or anything. I, was just, I really just wasn't in the mood to do it. And I went and I was like, good morning, children. Good morning, boys. And I did the poem. And, you know, because I moved, a miracle happened. And, you know, Pastor introduced me to the, to the head teacher as an actor. She said, oh, I'm looking, for an, I'm looking for a drama teacher. Do you know any? Amen. <laughs> she goes, oh, okay. Um, you're going to need the, the relevant qualifications. And I was like, oh, 
Okay. Relevant qualifications or experience? And she goes, experience. I goes, okay. She goes, okay, I'm coming for a meeting. Not an interview, a meeting. So I went in for a meeting. She sat me down and she said, can you do it? <laughs> Nothing was working except my mouth. And I said, yes, I can. It's been my third year at this school. I am now the head of drama. And I teach from year seven to six form year 13s. We put on three productions a year and they have all been sellout successful. If you just move to do it, even when you haven't got the power to do it, I had no qualifications, no, but I've taught, uh, I used to teach drama as a 16-year-old back in the day. I know that I love drama and I feel within myself, even though I'm paralyzed, I could t just said, yeah, I can do it. And because Jesus said, go and do the poem, where there was no power, power came. Whatever situation that you're in, whatever paralyzed situation that you're in, just move to do it. And you will experience miracles in your life. Young people, just move to do it. Find passages in the Bible where Jesus says, if you do this, this will happen, and just do it. And you will see miracles in your life. Believe me, since I became a Christian at 19, that's all that's been happening in my life. I just move. I don't think about it. Jesus says it and I just do it and miracles. And people can't believe what's happening. I can't even believe what's happening sometimes myself. The last thing, and this is important, and this is, for, this is not so much for the youth, but even though take heed, this is more for the senior folk. The Bible says that when he moved to do what he was doing and he took up his mat, it said that he took up what he had been laying on and went home. Now, I always thought, in the other, ver in, the other in Mark's account and in you know, Matthew's account, they don't, they don't talk about you taking up what you've been laying on. Why did Luke decide to put that in there? I mean, what was the point? And I know that everything in the Bible is, is for our study. Why did you put that bit in there? And I realized that what he had been laying on, what this paralyzed man had been laying on, was the thing that was supporting him in his paralyzed state. The thing that he had been laying on is the thing that had been carrying him. The thing that had been supporting him while he was paralyzed. And you know, sometimes we come to church and we get baptized and we meet Christ and people say, now that you're baptized, get rid of all that old stuff. All the stuff that reminds you of your old life, get rid of it because now you're with Jesus. But no, Jesus, the Bible says that this guy took up what he had been laying on. He took up the thing that he had previously used in his paralysis I went home and I thought, what's the significance of that? Do you know, Jesus sometimes allows us, when we start walking from our paralyzed state, sometimes the things that we used to cling to to support us doesn't go straight away. You might have stopped smoking weed, but it doesn't mean that you're not addicted to weed anymore. It doesn't mean that the people that used to surround you smoking weed are suddenly out of your life or that you've got the power to have them out of your life. You might have got the power to stop smoking, but it doesn't mean that you've got the power to, you know, to remove yourself from your friends right now. You might have, you might have stopped doing 
things that are associated with strip clubs or whatever. It doesn't mean that the people who still phone your phone have all of a sudden stopped phoning your phone. The Bible says he took what he had been laying on and went home. You see the significance of this. Christ allows us to take what we had been laying on and go home. Once we go home, come home back to Jesus, once we lay that thing in front of Jesus, he will take it away for good. But you must allow them to come home. You must allow them to come home with the thing they used to lay on. When they come home with it and lay it before God, God will take that away. A lot of the times we want them to get rid of that thing before they come home. And because they're walking doesn't mean they've got the power to get rid of the thing that they've been laying on. This is what had been supporting them. They come home with it, Jesus will take it. And once he takes it, it's gone for good. So what have we learned? Coming to church is about coming to meet Jesus. It's not about coming into the building. It's about being laid before Jesus. And if you can't get in because of whatever, then find a different way in. And parallel service is kind of like a different way in. Any ministries that you have are a different way in. When you come before Jesus, Jesus, be sure to tell your friends and the people who you're bringing before Jesus, be sure to tell them that Jesus is not their enemy. Jesus is their friend. He's their friend. And in fact, he says, I don't care what it is that you've done. I don't care that you're in a paralyzed state. I don't care even while you're in your paralyzed state, even while you're doing your bad thing, even while you're here, I am your friend. Be of good cheer. I don't care. I'm just happy that you've come to me. Third, just move. If Christ says to do it, even if you haven't got the power to do it, just move to do it and the power will come. The power will come. Even if you haven't got the power, just move to do it and the power will come and this will bring miracles into your life. Trust me, it will. The last thing, allow the person to come home even, in their, even with the things that they used to cling to. Allow them to come home. Allow them to come to church with their issues. Allow them to come to church with their issues. Because when they come to church with their issues and lay their issues before Christ, Christ will take it and it will be gone for good. Amen. Amen.